0: Hello, welcome to CropCast, a series of monthly podcasts covering topical issues throughout the season. We will also bring you some of the latest research from experts. My name is Tiffany McTaggart and we have a varied episode this week. First up, we're talking to Hugh Ironside, a senior consultant and area manager with SEC Consulting. We're going to be talking about gross margins. Then we're going to talk to Mark Boucher-Gibbs. Mark is a senior consultant and is organising the SAC Crop Trials event in East Lothian, one of the trial sites. There's also an event at the Lanark trial site. Welcome Hugh. You have recently been doing work on farm looking at finances and considering the gross margin. Why is gross margin and cost of production important to work out?
1: Well the gross margin is one of the most fundamental building blocks of doing any farm budgeting. Uh, it's- Basically, the gross output less all the variable costs, uh, such as fertiliser and seed and sprays. And it gives a very quick way to compare uh, gross margins from one season to the next season and also from crop to crop so that you can take more informed decisions.
0: And grain prices will be having a huge impact on the gross margins which are achieved. What are the grain markets currently looking like?
1: Well, they're very, very strong, but they're also very, very volatile. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, November wheat futures was at 350 pounds a ton, which I think is probably the highest it's ever been. Uh, but this morning, it's down 53 pounds at 297. So, you know, on a 10 ton a hectare wheat crop, a... Uh, That's 530 quid that's gone right away. And it makes us focus on how important it is to try to uh, market our grain uh, effectively. And a similar situation with oilseed rape. Oilseed rape uh, was very, very strong a few weeks ago and has come back quite considerably as well.
0: Yeah, definitely does sound very volatile. In our July episode, we are going to be talking more in depth about green markets. So fertiliser prices have been on the top of a lot of people's minds. Um, what are prices currently looking like?
1: Well, again, they're they're very, very volatile. Um, a few months ago, some uh, nitrogen was trading at £1,000 a tonne. Now, I don't know how much was actually being uh, bought at that, but certainly Uh, In the last fortnight, there was one day nitrogen was, uh, in this area, £630 a tonne, and then the prices were withdrawn, and the next day it was £730 a tonne. So it makes us focus on uh, where the relationship between the two, which is why I did run a set of gross margins uh, to give the local farmers a feel of, uh, where they are and what decisions to take. And I suppose in a way the good news is that uh, if we consider that traditionally a wheat gross margin was around uh, about £1,000 a hectare, perhaps an underside, even with nitrogen at £700 a tonne, if you can fix your grain price at 350 your gross margin is probably... £2,000 a hectare so it's actually with the grain price high and the fertiliser price high it is still very worthwhile growing the crop and you will probably end up with a gross margin twice of what you would have expected for the last number of years.
0: That's very interesting it's definitely worth sitting down and figuring it out. Um, So if fertiliser prices were to go up you mentioned before about £1,000 a tonne
1: Uh, We don't know what fertilizer prices are going to do. They're related to the price of oil very strongly, and they're related to the fears of what's happening uh, in in Ukraine and Russia just now. Um, One thing that does mystify me slightly is why potash prices are so high, because uh, effectively it's just mined out the ground. but I dare say that there'll be money men in it somewhere. Uh, but the magic, the magic figure is somewhere around 250 pounds a ton cost of production uh, is where we are. And if grain prices are above 250 pounds a ton, uh, we will still be able to sustain this 1,000 pounds a hectare. Uh, but currently, we seem to be hovering around six, 700 pounds a ton and a farmers it is definitely not a question of not growing the crop when we're on high wheat prices as we are got to put the crop in the ground.
0: Yeah yeah so when you're saying cost of production what other factors are you um, needing to think about other than just fertilizer?
1: Well of course there's all the, the farm fixed costs and for uh, cereal the average cereal farm the fixed costs are on the underside of a uh, 900 pounds a hectare so if you're getting a gross margin of 900 pounds a hectare less your fixed costs obviously your profit from the crop is zero uh, but you know most of these gross margins were coming in at slightly more than that.
0: So looking back at previous years what sort of grain prices were you needing to make a profit just for comparison to what you need now?
1: Well, I think when a fertilizer was in the two to £300 pounds a, a tonne mark, a grain prices of £100 and £150 pounds a tonne was sufficient to cover that. A, and certainly when we're getting £200 pounds a tonne, we're in a profitable situation. A, now, to get, get the same feeling, we would... Uh, have to be around two fifty. Uh, so the cost of production has gone has gone up uh, by about fifty pounds a ton, but the price of grain has gone up by about hundred and fifty pounds a ton.
0: Yeah, that's a big jump up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hughes produced an excellent set of tables, um, which you'll be able to find in the show notes, so you can have a look and see um, what gross margins you might be achieving depending on your grain and fertiliser prices for winter wheat, malting barley and winter oilseed rape. Um, So Hugh, is there anything else that farmers can do to make sure they turn a profit on the grain this year?
1: Well, I suppose the big question that everyone has got is, should they fix the price against the wheat futures? Now, that's obviously more straightforward for wheat. Uh, Contracts for malting barley are a bit more complicated. The and oilseed rape is a very risky crop because it's not in the shed yet. None of these crops are in the shade. But uh, with oilseed rape, you've got the added uh, risk of a gale just uh, two days before it's due to harvest and losing an awful lot of crop. And we've got to remember that if you do forward sell, you may have to deliver if the price goes against you. Uh, which is a frightening uh, thought. So it's a question of probably hedging your bets and selling some to cover some fertiliser. But by no means would anyone be recommending to sell all your crop because we might not get it yet.
0: Yeah, that's that's very good advice. So farmers will be thinking about purchasing fertiliser for next year. Do you think they should be doing their gross margins when they start purchasing the fertilizer, ready for next season, so they can start considering what they're needing?
1: Yes, I think I think we should. I mean, a, a gross margin is the sort of thing that a uh, you should have on a note on the wall in the office every now and again to remind us where exactly where we are and what the outcome is likely to be. Um, it's a uh, Fairly fundamental a uh, bit of budgeting work. Just
0: to finish with, Hugh, what are your three top tips?
1: My three top tips, good question. Well, gross margins are very strong uh, due to the high grain prices and despite the high fertilizer prices. So I would be considering a... Purchasing fertilizer, but selling some grain back to back to cover that risk. And I would be quite bullish about putting crop in the ground for next year if I've done that.
0: Hughes gross margin tables provide a very useful guide and baseline for farmers to consider and can be useful if there are sudden changes in the market. It is important to make sure you fully understand your own business and take into consideration your own costs as every business is different. Budgeting on your own farm allows for you to make evidence-based decisions to improve your business's profitability and productivity as no two farms are the same. There's some really useful tools available to help you do this. The Farm Advisory Service has a whole farm budgeting tool available, which is a useful way to consider your gross margin performance and you can make speculative adjustments for potential changes in prices or for what-if assumptions. The Farm Management Handbook is a useful guide if you're unsure what price to put in for some of the costs which you're budgeting for. AHDB have produced Farm Bench. This tool not only calculates your gross margins, but also allows you to go in-depth into the fixed costs in your business. You may find that your fixed costs are higher than the below £900, which Q indicated. It also enables you to benchmark your farm against others in the industry, which is very useful. The Scottish Farm Business Survey is carried out annually and is another excellent tool to measure the performance of your business against others in Scotland. If you are wanting to look at this tool, there is an Improve Your Finances in 30-minute webinar recorded recently by Sasha Grierson, which will help guide you through using this tool and enable you to benchmark. In this podcast, Hugh has mentioned buying fertilizer when selling grain to help with your cash flow. This is a very important factor for farmers to consider. A cash flow is a useful way to see when money is moving into and out of the business and allows you to identify areas of shortfall. If you take a look in the show notes below, we have included links for the FAS cash Flow Budgeting Tool, as well as for the Farm Business Survey Benchmarking Tool, and for the AHDB Farm Bench. Next, we're speaking to Mark about the SRUC Crop Trials events, which will be taking place and open for all to attend. Welcome, Mark.
2: Uh, Hi, Tiffany.
0: Could you provide a bit of a background on the trials which SRUC run?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So the SRUC Crop Trials Service operates several sites in Scotland. Um, In the central belt, uh, we've got trial sites at Bog Hall uh, in Midlothian, And uh, we've got winter and spring rape varieties on trial there. At Lanark, uh, this year, we have uh, the winter barley trials. And at Ormiston uh, in East Lothian, uh, we have the crops of winter wheat at Spring Barley, and that's where the trials uh, open evening is taking place this year. Um, we've also got a further site in the borders at uh, Spots Mains, and further north in Aberdeenshire, uh, we've got trial sites at Kirkton, Ashdown and Tullock.
0: So there's lots of trials taking place then. I gather there are some partners which SIUC works with as well?
2: yes the there's been a long uh, a close association with the htb uh, in hosting varieties of all seed rape uh, wheat and barley on the recommended lists and um, at the same time the t provides trial data for the national listings uh, and that works obviously done by the british society of plant breeders um but i mean if, aside from that um there's more specific areas of work that the trial team get involved with. Uh, We've got plots that are pre-inoculated with uh, diseases like eye spot, brown rust, net blotch. Um, And we're assessing the varietal disease resistance ratings uh, on on those varieties. Um, And then we've got uh, an appropriate dose fungicide performance trial, uh, and that's looking at appropriate doses for Uh, Ramulae, Septoria, Rhynchosporum and Mildew Uh, and in that trial the actives are applied at at varying rates from quarter to half up to three quarter and full rates Uh, and the yields are taken through to assess the relative performance curves uh, in those crops. Um, And in addition there's performance testing on early sowings and lodging and disease observation plots.
0: Okay, and it's also some commercial partners which SIC works with?
2: Yeah, so in addition to um, the HDB and um, the uh, British Society of Plant Breeders, um, the trial service hosts trials for um, our AGT and SoCobra, and uh, we're also increasing work um, with Scott Grain locally and Syngenta, especially on spring barley varieties, so uh, there's there's quite a lot going on.
0: Yes, sounds very busy. So can you just give a bit of an overview of some of the types of trials which are being carried out?
2: Yes, I mean, apart from the, uh, the variety trials, uh, we're also looking at, um, well, the trials team, are also looking at uh, a large range of efficacy trials, assessing uh, both the performance of seed treatments, biostimulants and, and nitrogen application timings. Uh, we've also got some weed screens, uh, we've got two weed screens this year uh, where we look at uh, how pure stands of grass weeds, such as ryegrass and bromes, uh, respond to different actives and, and combinations of actives. Um, and up in Aberdeenshire, we just finished a very interesting experiment on uh, grazing, winter grazing of winter cereals, and the effect that's uh, had all, 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 all through to yield. Um, and again, up there, there's a long term trial. Uh, on a six-year legume-based rotation, uh, and we're also looking at organic trials rotating potatoes, beans, grass, and clover.
0: That's great, thank you, Mark. So, what are the benefits of all these trials to growers?
2: The benefit of the trials is actually gets you gives you a chance to see crops in the untreated scenario. You know, with the the, the desire these days to perhaps uh, maximize yield by keeping the crop as clean as possible, obviously you're going on with a pretty comprehensive uh, fungicide uh, program and you don't get to see uh, perhaps how the varieties react in a, a low input or no input system. So it's the one time in a year when perhaps you can uh, come off the farm and uh, look at treated and untreated side by side.
0: So, on to the upcoming trials open evening in Midlothian. What is the format going to be?
2: Well, we're um, moving from Cool Chill uh, to um, a site at Ormiston Mains, which is just a couple of miles off the A68, and it's hosted uh, this year by Rossendale Prentice, uh, and we're thankful for them for that. The evening starts at 5 pm. It's uh, Thursday, uh, 30th of June. Um, so, we uh, work amendments. Many people uh, are able to make it. Parking is on site and the trial plots are actually immediately adjacent to the steading. So there's no bussing around to the, the uh, trial plots. It's all uh, very convenient. We'll start off with a hog roast at five o'clock and uh, we'll follow that with a few short presentations um, on the work that uh, the innovative work and the research priorities that uh, the trials team are looking at currently. Yeah, we'll take a brief look at the markets, the grain markets, and strategies for selling crop this coming season, and and then we'll be out on foot to to visit um, to look at the winter wheat and the the spring barley varieties uh, that are growing there.
0: I think we can certainly get some people along, even if it's just for the food. Um, Definitely sounds delicious. <laughs> So you said that we're going to have a tour of the plots. Um, do you want to give us a bit of an idea of what you might see in the wheat plots?
2: Yeah, so we've got 47 treated variety plots uh, of winter wheat, and uh, that's mirrored by a further 47 untreated plots. Um, Steve Hoad will be uh, taking us through the plots. His our team leader for agronomy at SRUC. Uh, he'll be looking at his top picks and um, a heads up really as to the varieties we'll be uh, looking more closely at. Uh, the distilling varieties we're particularly interested in, obviously Skyscraper, uh, RGT Stokes, RGT Bairstow and Swallow. Illicit um, is on the... Uh, the, the list as a Biscuit and Distilling Variety as is uh, Illuminate and KWS Bram. Um So we'll be uh, discussing those and uh, of the feed, hard varieties, KWS Dorsum, SY and Sister, Gleam and LG Typhoon will be um, definitely on the agenda to talk about.
0: Okay. So has there been much of a change to the recommended list for this coming season?
2: The winter list, uh, the winter wheat list, um, has increased by some 20 varieties. Uh, 11 of those uh, are suitable for the grain distilling market. Um, there are six new entries. Um, two are soft feed distilling varieties: RGT Stokes and RGT Bearstow. Uh, there's also a new biscuit and distilling option: KWS Briam. Uh, two hard feed varieties: KWS Dawson and LG Typhoon, that we mentioned earlier. And there's a new Group 2 variety, um, KWS palladium. Um, The leading distilling varieties are still uh, Skyscraper and Elation, uh, and they're supported by uh, Swallow, KWS Jackal, and the uh, biscuit-making varieties Elicit, LG Illuminate and LG Astronomer.
0: It's definitely worth going to the crop trial events to hear from Steve Hode and you'll be able to get his handouts of what his um, top 10 are, is usually what he produces. Also, if you're not able to go, why not have a look at the Scottish recommended list for cereals? These are updated every year. The 2022 to 2023 is available. And if you have a look in the show notes, a link is available. So Mark, I believe that there's also fungicide treatments which are being carried out.
2: There are, uh, we'll have um, Neil Havis with us uh, again from the crop pathology department of SRUC. He's going to talk us through the fungicide trials, looking into the appropriate dose application work that they're doing. Uh, And I think it's interesting because, you know, the we may um, not everyone might put in a, a, you know, a T naught. Most people will do either one or the other of a, a T1, T2 or both. Um, but in all those instances, uh, it's uh, as much about the, the, the right dose um, for the season and the disease pressure. So uh, it always generates a degree of discussion uh, about uh, not only what type of active works best in what scenario, but also at what level to go on in terms of application rate. Um, Syngenta also doing some work on the site to look at uh, adepidin on wheat as an option to control septoria in the crop so we'll probably cover that off as well.
0: So moving on to the spring barley trials Mark, Um, what are they looking at there?
2: Yes we've got spring barley trials, variety trials at the site, Uh, we've also got a a skinning trial to look at the issues uh, with skinning and spring barley. But on the varieties, there are 31 uh, varieties on trial. We'll be picking out some of those um, to have a closer look at. Um, The spring barley list has been consolidated uh, for the 2022-23 season. Um, And on on that recommended list, the main malting choices um, are obviously Laureate and uh, LG Diablo. Um, Both of these are dual purpose distilling and brewing varieties uh, and uh, KW Sassy is on there as a distilling variety. Um, Fairing remains the only one on the list that's fully approved uh, for grain distilling. Um, And looking ahead, we'll be looking at the two varieties, uh, SY Tungsten and Firefox, uh, because they continue to make progress. Um, as they've been evaluated commercially for water use. So it'll be interesting to get feedback on those uh, two in particular.
0: Yeah, definitely worth going for the feedback. So some of the varieties have also come off the list, I gather?
2: Yeah, six um, varieties have come off. um, Six wheat wheat and and spring barley varieties, um, either because of low agronomic value or, or limited market interest. Um, and these are the spring barley varieties, Sienna and Cosmopolitan. And uh, from winter wheat, uh, we've lost Revelation, Sundance, uh, Prince and Quasar.
0: If people are interested in going into a bit more depth about what we've discussed today, make sure you attend the SAC Crop Trials evening at Ormiston Mains, penn on Thursday the 30th of June. There's a hog roast available and there's also basis and neroso points available. If you want to hear about the winter barley trials, there is an open evening at Lanark on the 7th of July. To find out more information about both of these uh, trials evenings, have a look on the FAS website and you'll be able to book on. Okay, one final question for you, Mark. What are three reasons why people should attend the crop trials open evening?
2: I suppose it's quite easy to answer, really, Tiffany. Um... It's been a couple of years, obviously, since we've been able to do anything, and the last two events have been online. Uh, so this is the first time in three seasons that uh, farmers will get the opportunity to um, come off their own steading uh, and uh, come together to discuss what they're growing, what they they might be growing in the future, um, and um, you know. Secondly, um, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's good to see. You know how these varieties stand up in low input situations. Um, inflationary costs are, are putting pressure on all the growing inputs that we're, you know, going to grow these crops, and including fungicides. So um, people will be want to be um, judicious with the money they spend on the crops. And, um, and thirdly, I think uh, you know there are ever evolving markets. Um, varieties are evolving to meet those market specifications so it's a pretty important decision to make to have the right varieties in the ground that are are what the end user are wanting and um, it's a great opportunity to confer with um, like-minded people as to the the right decisions that uh, you could be making.
0: That's great, thank you Mark. Thank you to all of today's speakers, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Cropcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe, and follow our podcast available on the FAS channel. Leave us a review to let us know how we're doing, and if you'd like to get in touch, you can find all of our contact details in the show notes below. You may also enjoy some of our other shows, such as Stock Talk, our monthly panel show providing timely advice on livestock management, or Thrill of the Hill, a monthly show featuring guest speakers who live and work in the upland environment join us again on the 20th of july for our next episode of cropcast
2: the farm advisory service podcast audio advice on livestock crops and soils environment rural business and more brought to you in association with the scottish government